0: Let's start over here in uh, 2 Timothy today. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We've been talking about a lot about the inner man and outward man and really trying to express uh, the, the imagery that I feel is important to know what it is once you're saved, uh, what the process is. One of the wording we use is, I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And so every teaching, every comment you make comes from somewhere. Everything you say or suggest comes from somewhere. And that's the importance of doctrine. Doctrine, if I were to describe doctrine, to me it would be the root discussion of why you believe something and it 's the the foundation of things, so for instance, if someone comes to you and says, "You know they see someone who 's in a wheelchair and they say, "Oh, Lord bless you, honey you know you 're strong and blessed and and you know God put this on you because you 're strong enough to handle it now you you faith people here would stop right there if I preach that i 'd be in trouble, and you'd let me know you could you know when you preach, you can feel it. See that comment didn 't come just from there, it came from a root understanding that they believe that God is in control that God makes babies in heaven and puts them in little bodies and and see the reason they say that is because you know why do, if god's in control and you 're in a wheelchair and i 'm not then either God hates you more than me or he loves me more than you, or maybe it 's because you 're stronger than I am and God. God had a reason for to put this on you because of your strength to teach you something. So every comment comes from a root of somewhere. That's why I love the message. I'm so blessed that Pastor Dave taught about, I don't know if he originated it or where it came from, where the Holy Ghost brought it into the earth, but the the law of Genesis, which basically says that you're born by the will of man. That two people got together and that's what made you. Well, that tells you all kinds of things. If you accept that as truth, as a, a doctrine in you, that is called the law of Genesis. That means that God created Adam and Eve, gave them power to procreate, and then from their DNA came all of us. So if that's you accept that as your core doctrine, a, a core doctrine, that means that every talent every ability every color every color of hair every nose came from your mom and dad and from their mom and dad my little brother shot up he's half my half brother but his mom and dad my mom and his dad are both short and he's 6 foot 5 and he's a moose you know and so we begin to wonder like where did he get his height from well we have an uncle a few genes off, but he's in our DNA, who's tall. So that tells us, okay, that traveled through the parents and showed up there. And so the law of Genesis forces you to accept that you didn't come from God in your first birth. And there's no equity in your first birth. That Your neighbor may be smarter than you. And so when you hear people say, you know, the guy who plays football or basketball and they win the championship... I just want to thank God. Okay, that's coming from a root understanding that they believe that they were given the gift to play a sport. A singer gets up and wins the award for being the best talented singer. I just want to thank God for helping me. Well, God didn't let... How come I didn't win an award? Well, because you can't sing. (laughs) You know, well, guess God doesn't love you as much as he loves the other guy. So every opinion you have about life about God comes from certain core beliefs I'll call them doctrine but certain core beliefs that you build other beliefs upon that belief so if you believe like for instance if you believe and have accepted that the law of Genesis is how the world of man came into existence then from that belief you can put many truths on it And it should always stay the truth. And when you come to complex discussions like, uh, why is this person in a wheelchair? Why is this person born with no fingers on their hand and you were born with all the fingers on your hand? You can answer that from your core belief. Well, it's the law of of Genesis. You just got the bad luck of the DNA and that's why you got that. It wasn't that God put you in a body and developed you in heaven with half a body or half a face or half a brain. It wasn't that God didn't give you talent and gave talent to someone else and just blessed them with talent. Just from that core belief, you can answer many questions because that's the core doctrine in you. But you have to get that in you. And once it's in you and settled, cemented in like a foundation, then you can put other beliefs and the Holy Spirit can put other beliefs on it. So when I hear people talk Usually, I can go right to the root of why they said something, because maybe my calling, but because of a sound, the doctrine, because of their foundational belief. The only reason you'll say that is because you have a belief in you that allows you to say that. I remember talking to one fellow, and being at Brother Norval's ministry, Norval Hayes' for many years, he taught us, like Lester Summerall would teach, how to cast out demons, and we were professional <laughs> caster outers. I mean, we, if you just twitched in the prayer line, you went down. We took you down. Come out, you know, and uh, and we would make we would say, "Come out louder and louder, longer and longer," until something changed. Either you submitted or or the devil came out. And sometimes it was the devil, but I found I found half and half. Sometimes it was an actual demon that was oppressing someone. Uh, but the other half, or more than half, was more emotional things. Anyways, we were pretty skilled at at least making a show out of every little twitch. Pastor Dave came by one time, and this woman manifested and fell on the floor and started to scream, and all of us were like, Oh, well, here goes, let's start the action. Jump on her, come out! And Pastor Dave just kept preaching and looked at us like, oh, and he, he played with his fingers like, what are you... Oh, no, it's coming out. That's why it's screaming. I don't need to add more action to it to make me look like I did it. It's already coming out. That's why it's screaming. And sure enough, after a few minutes, she quit screaming, and she got up and was completely free. Well, we were trained differently. Well, if your beliefs when you deal with someone who is battling an issue, the reason you think, well, that's a demon— Maybe you've heard that I heard in some of my circles. i heard that. you got a devil. It's like, well, no, I just got a bad attitude. That's not a devil. <laughs> you know, you got a spirit of lust. One person said, you need to cast out the spirit of lust. We're praying against the spirit of lust? I said, well, why? Like, are you worried? Like one guy, he went to get his hair cut by a pretty girl, and he said, well, I can't go there anymore because she's got a spirit of lust. And I thought, well... Buddy, you're not even her type. I'm not sure if she's the problem, you know. And, and if you don't have a, a desire for lust, then no spirit can make you lust after something. How many like uh, uh, oysters here? Hold your hand up. Raw oysters. A few of you. How many dislike raw oysters? Well, see, I can't bring a spirit of raw oysters to those who don't like and say, Ooh, come and eat the raw oyster. You're going to like, No, I'm not interested. See, the spirit of lust isn't a professional demon that walks around in a, a red dress and a green ugly face, uh, drawing people into lust. As much as it is a devil that analyzes your brokenness, finds the desire that you desire in the natural, it becomes that. You know, and becomes that to you, so a lot of our our terminology and a lot of our understanding of even ministry um, comes from a rude understanding. I had one conversation with a guy, and he was so mad at Pastor Dave because Pastor Dave taught that the um how do you say it, the sons of God came down to the daughters of man out of Genesis. And Pastor Dave taught that the sons of God were not angels. that came down and made babies with women. And they became giants. And I heard one guy teach, um, yeah, you know, like when the Bible says that his foot will, will bruise your head, he said, well, one of the offsprings of the angels was a giant called Goliath. And he went to the scripture and tried to prove that David... When David cut off his head, he buried his head at Galgaltha at the foot of the cross where Jesus was crucified. That was the prophecy being fulfilled that Jesus bruised his head. And it's like, wow, that's quite a leap. As preachers, you got to be careful when you make those leaps. <laughs> this means this, and therefore this means that, because you can be teaching garbage that produces powerlessness. And, and totally took the power out of that verse... Because he believed that angels procreated with women, and the the friend of mine who was discussing it with me had a whole like a textbook uh, dictionary of all the things that came from that. He talked about there's, I don't even know. I didn't even there when it's trash or when it's not true. Up it that way, I don't even try to learn it. Because there's no sense learning stuff that's not going to help you in the future. And when Pastor Dave taught that it wasn't demons that came or angels that came down and procreated with women and made giant babies, he taught that the sons of God were was the lineage of Abel, messing with the lineage of Cain, and mixing religion with uh, serving God with sinful living. And so my friend was so upset about that teaching because, you know, when you honor Pastor Dave, you don't always just accept whatever he says, but you trust it more than if someone else says it. And that's why you need to have good leaders and good pastors in your life. Because you don't take what we say as that's the truth, but you put a little more weight on it when someone says that. If I were to, to, uh, I always poke fun at my wife when she cooks And something good, I'll say, oh, did he get that from Pinterest? You know, like, why would you go to Pinterest to get a recipe instead of going to, like, a trained chef to get a recipe? You know, we have a friend who everything she cooks is fantastic. But if she was my wife, I'd be 400 pounds. Because the way it's fantastic is butter, sugar, sugar butter, sugar, butter, sugar, and then you add another ingredient. Boom, fantastic dinner every time. And so this guy had a problem with with Pastor Dave's teaching because when Pastor Dave removed that block from his opinion that angels procreated, and see, from that block of understanding, a whole theology was built from that one block. Now a lot of the the demons you deal with are from that encounter from way back when they're dead, but they're they're I don't don't even know It, it was a whole library, a dictionary from that one belief. And when Pastor Dave removed that, it caused him to have to let go of all this other stuff he believed, or to rebuild from a truth. So when you start meddling with doctrine of people, they get offended. They get touchy because all this stuff I have is built on this one understanding. And you could trace it when you learn the roots. You can understand why people say things. So when someone says, yeah, I just, um, God bless me with this talent. I'm so glad and blessed that God blessed me with this talent. Thank God that God blessed me with this talent. As they sing and, and that mean, what they're saying is God didn't bless you, he blessed me. And I thank God that he blessed me with this talent and I have to use my talent for the Lord. Then you know the root, you trace that back, to the root of, do you believe in the law of Genesis? Or do you believe that God made every baby? Because the only way you could say God blessed me with my talent is if you, at the root, somewhere you believe that God inserted his will, his plan his DNA into people and said you will be like this I bless you with the talent now, I'm not saying that God can't intervene uh, in someone's life but when someone says I give God glory for my talent then I can trace that to the root of their doctrine that they don't believe in the law of Genesis and, and you'll find that many people don't know what they believe they just, they just whatever is convenient at the time I'm over here in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, "...exhort with all longsuffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires." Say, own desires. "...but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heat up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables." But you, being watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Now, I think I'm sharing this today because I feel that as a church, that our assignment isn't just to have miracles. It's also to produce truth and sound doctrine. And that way we can explain to people how we on purpose walked into the power of God. See, sound doctrine. This is how I can tell you, let me be clear here. There's going to be a group of people that God's going to send here when we're ready that will be ready to be trained and taught how to grow in the things of God. And maybe I'm trying to justify why I've been nitpicking so much lately on a few things. But see, if I went to, uh, as a a traveling preacher, I've been lucky enough to experience many different churches. I preached in Baptist churches. I preached in Mennonite churches. I've even preached in Mormon churches. and and I preached in many different environments people in outreaches who weren't saved uh, groups of bikers I've I've shared I've stood up and witnessed to groups of bikers I've I preached in churches that believed what we believed I preached in churches that didn't believe what we had what we believe and had to teach the truth in every situation so you teach the truth what they can handle in every situation I want to say to you, as a body, you're not a baby, you're not immature, and so much of the teaching that comes forward isn't in pablum form; it's in stake form. You know, just listen to Gary teach. Thank God for Gary and Tim and Dave, who never harnessed us, even when we tried to be harnessed. Gary would does the he does the uh, the dance, the the. Um, Mentor dance. You know, hey, will you mentor me? And he starts to get nervous and dance and wheel around like, no, no, I don't do that. You know, and thank God for that because it allows us to grow and mature along the way. Because if I tell you what to do, if I start saying, the Lord told me anyone who wears uh, yellow is a yellow belly and not strong in the Lord. Well, next week, No one's going to be wearing yellow. If I tell you how to act and put God on it, then then you may not believe what I said, but you don't want anyone else to believe who believes what I said to blame you. So when I was over at the Bible college, I learned a valuable lesson about leadership. That you could put your ideas on people. You can put your image on people. You can put your expectations on people. And they will rise up to it until they're tired of rising up to it. And then they'll stop. And people go decades without dealing with the problem because you told them not to do it. They use their own willpower, their own strength to not do it or to be a certain way, to act a certain way. But eventually the real deal, where they're really at comes out. And you do a dysfunction if you just tell people how they should act rather than go spend time with God and grow up and let him tell you how to be. And so I learned when I travel that people as a crowd can put expectations on you. And if you're a a lousy teacher, you will teach to those expectations. Many denominations are built on teaching and preaching to the expectations of the people. If I were to go to Green Bay, Wisconsin today, hello, Green Bay, and you're all from Green Bay, Wisconsin, and I'm preaching away, and I feel like you're not excited about my preaching, I would just say, how about those Packers? And the crowd would go, amen, yes, good preaching. And they would just by giving them what they want, they'll allow me to speak to them. And it's the old joke. You ever see the the teenager get up on the movies and he's trying to give a speech and he's really slaughtered in front of his high school friends and they're all booing him and he says, Go Wolverines! He mentions the football team and the, the crowd goes, Yay! They get excited. Well, if all you ever do is preach to the crowd, give them what they want, you're going to be kind of fulfilling this verse, that they'll heap on teachers. See, when you're not teachable, you only get excited when people say what you like them to say. If I were preaching to a Republican church in politics, i just look at all the red hats. I would say, go red hats. And thank God we're making the country red hatted. And we get an amen from the, the red-hat people. If I were preaching a blue-hat church that were more democratic in their voting, I would just say, go blue-hat, and they'd say, amen, amen. And so there's a temptation from a preacher to give people what they want instead of what they need or instead of what the Lord is giving them. And thank God you don't belong to a church like that. John and I were traveling to a church. They brought me in to speak, flew us in, put us at a nice hotel, and I went to go preach, and they were expecting a little bit different. And they said, well, really, we want you to prophesy. And I didn't feel the Lord, because I can prophesy, but I didn't feel the Lord instruct me to prophesy. And I want you to know that that church, the people... Loved the teaching, the message that came forward. But the leadership rejected me. But they already booked me for five days, so they had to put up with me. And that's part of a good teacher is, I'm not going to give you what you need. If I were to make my kids happy, they'd never see a broccoli. (laughs) They'd not know what a broccoli is. They'd never see uh, a carrot. They'd only see fun food that appeased them. A good parent doesn't give you just what you want. He gives you, they give you what you need. And so I'm, I remember we left there and, and they punished us in the amount of offering they decided to give us. They, the leadership punished me for not being who they wanted them, me to be in that week. But that's between them and the Lord. And so as a preacher, you can end up offering people what they want just to get an amen, just to get an approval. And I remember when I was preaching one time, I felt like, because I got a little bit tough. Like if you ask my wife, she'd get mad at me because I'd go preach at a church and I'd tell them exactly what they didn't want to hear. I mean, I would, go, I would be like a dog on a bone. You know what that means? When you give a dog a bone, try to take it back. And I would like go after the very area that I wasn't supposed to go after. And it wasn't necessarily on purpose, but I think at one time I started to get a little bit more like take it or leave it, Buster. And she'd get on to me like, did you need to say it that way? That's exactly what they, they didn't want to hear. And so I would get to where I'd get to a crowd and I would feel them off course, either in a doctrine or a, a belief. And, and part of my calling was to put them back on the right foundation of truth. Because many people, they don't realize what they believe isn't the truth. And as much as it is, as flattering as it is, as encouraging as it may seem, if it doesn't produce truth in you, it, it produces nothing in you. The reason we don't have what God says we have isn't because... We're not good enough. It's because we don't believe right. We have to change the reason, the thinking that we have, the foundation of truth in us, because for some reason, what's in us isn't the truth or the fullness of the truth, I might say. So when I'd hit that wall, I would drop my shoulder down and push even harder, where I feel the resistance of the crowd. That to me is a sign of push harder. (laughs) Like, okay, you're not going to swallow your pill. You're not going to take your broccoli. I'm going to give you two broccolis. And I remember talking to Pastor Dave about, and he said, Alan, sometimes it's not that they're resisting the truth. Sometimes they don't know what you're saying. (laughs) They're trying to grab what you're saying. That's why you feel them stop. You're going preaching and they're like, yeah, amen, amen. All of a sudden, Where'd the crowd go? <laughs> you were just with me a minute ago, and, and it stopped. And so I would get tougher. And Pastor Dave said, "No, sometimes they just don't know what you're saying. They're trying to understand what you're saying." And so I—that's when I, I call it. I learned the camp, and Pastor Dave taught me how to stop right there and start to. He, he said that all, almost all of his parables. Remember Chuck the Duck that almost all of his parables came in that moment when he was preaching the truth and the people couldn't understand what he was saying. So in that moment, he would slow down and dig inside and out would come a revelation, a, a parable to help people to understand what he was trying to say. And that came while he was preaching. Most of his parables came while he was preaching. And so I call it camping. When I'm preaching, I feel that wall I'm not going to eat that because I don't quite understand it. That's not bad. That's actually very healthy. So I've, I've learned how to stop in camp and stay right there and just share more about what I said to help people to understand what I'm trying to say. So it's okay to not just swallow what everyone says. Some of our vocabulary can be, if we hit a wall, saying things like, God loves you, you're great, God got a great future for you. All those are great, encouraging things. But learning is the most important. Learning about who you are and why you have a right to say who you are. And if we don't get the truth at the root into our church system... We'll end up with a religion that's not built on truth. It's built on fable and story te- stories and, and untruths. And there's no power in untruth. There's no power at all. You go down to the police station and say, uh, I'm here to get my uh, neighbor arrested. What for? Well, he came into my yard and he, he beat up my dog and stole my barbecue and, and scratched my car. And they'd say, all right, where is that guy? We'll go arrest him. Where's your evidence? Oh, no, I just, he doesn't like me. Every time I drive by, he just kind of looks at me funny. I know it was him. Okay, how do you know it was him? See, well, I just know. Deep down in my heart, I know it was him. He's the only neighbor that doesn't like me. Everyone else thinks I'm the best. But him, he, he gives me a funny look when I drive by. It was him. I guarantee it. Go arrest him. I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, ma'am. Until I see the evidence, I cannot go arrest him. But don't, no, can't you just believe it? Because I believe it. Deep down in my heart, I know it was him. Sorry, ma'am. Sir, I cannot do it. But if you pull out a, a video camera, say, here's a recording of my video. See that? That's him who has uh, snuck in. The, yeah, I see him. We have evidence. We'll go arrest him. So much of our preaching around churches is built on not evidence, built on opinion. I feel it down to my heart. I, I believe it. I, I feel it down to my heart. This is the truth. But when you have evidence, that's where you can put your your trust into the truth, not into your feelings. And so much of the church world today is built on, is trying to make people feel better about their circumstances rather than focus them on the truth of how they can overcome their circumstances. That is the sound doctrine that needs to be addressed and taught I read some of Paul's opinion about the church and church leadership, and it's so interesting that I never see him talk about how anointed someone is, how many signs and wonders or miracles they have, how they can prophesy to you or read your mail. All I see is characteristics of holiness, characteristics of maturity. Uh, That's what qualifies someone to be a leader, not how anointed they are. And you got to be careful because many preachers are trained. You know the politicians, when you, when you hear a speech, when you, when you like to watch your politician give a speech, but you don't like to watch the other politician give a speech. That's because your politician has been trained how to tell you what you want to hear. The other politician has been trained how to tell his group what they want to hear. That's why it's good to keep politics out of church, in my opinion. (laughs) Because I just want to share what Jesus wants to say to you. But that politician, they have people who wrote a speech. Chances are that politician never wrote a speech or her speech. That someone wrote it for them. And that person who wrote it for them has pollsters. And they pull certain statements and see how it feels when they say it. And when it gets a positive response, they put that in the speech. If it gets a negative response to their crowd, then they remove it. They don't care about the opposite crowd. They're not speaking to the opposite crowd. They're speaking to their crowd because you're the one who's going to vote for them. So just so you know, when you hear a politician speak, they didn't write it. Someone else wrote it from them from a polls of one-liners that got positive Responses from someone just like you. I look across the room today and I see different color of shirts. I only see one yellow shirt. That's why I'm picking on B. The Lord told me this morning that those who are in yellow are blessed of the Lord and are anointed of God. So right now, B's saying amen to me like crazy. Oh, preach it. I'm getting the yellow, the hanky. amen, amen. Other you are looking, I knew I should have wore yellow today. Where's my yellow shirt? I'm going to go put it on real quick. But see, a politician's trained how to speak to the people who will vote for them. And how to say lines that the people will respond to. Many preachers practice the same thing. Their whole sermon is uh, a polled Amen. One-liners, great one-liners, one after another that don't produce fruit, that don't bring change, but get you to like them, get you to amen them, and get you to come back for more. (laughs) But it doesn't produce fruit when you hear words like sound doctrine. How many words? I talked to my kids. How was school today? It was all right. What'd you learn? Oh, nothing. Anything exciting? The only thing exciting is usually around lunchtime or recess time. I don't think any kid ever said, I love going to English class or math class. But aren't you glad you can read and write? That you said in those classes. Aren't you glad that your parent didn't say, What good is school going to do for you? Come work on the fields. They made you go through school to get an education so you could learn. The point of sound doctrine and getting down to the truth, especially the foundational truths, is that those building blocks in you, if it's a truth that comes from God, will never change. In a billion years, you'll find out that truth that you learned was a truth that came from God, not from man, not from a demon, but came from God himself. And that truth will remain the same for the rest of eternity. And from that truth, you can put other truths on it and know that it will never change, it will never shake. I remember hearing Gary teach on uh, the widow's might, and how he, when we heard it, it was so shocking to me that Jesus was not, con- was not complimenting the widow. For giving her, her last two pennies. Because up to that time I've heard hundreds of offerings. Even if, you, if you've got nothing left. Like if you lost your job, make sure you tithe. So that God will bless you. Make sure you give so that God will bless you. Look at the widow's Mike. Jesus commended the widow for giving her last two pennies. You're not allowed your last two pennies. Give what you have and make sure you're faithful. Maybe you've heard that preach before. And then when I'd heard Gary teach and prove it in Scripture, he didn't say, now, I have a feeling. This just feels right in my heart. He proved it through Scripture. That the widow's might was Jesus rebuking the Pharisees for stealing her last two pennies. Here you are devouring widows' houses. They have no one to support them. They have no income. And you're, you're willing to talk them out of their houses, their last two pennies in the name of God. How dare you? And that shocked me because that, that was like the opposite of what I heard. It wasn't just off. It was the opposite. <laughs> and that's where the first thing I thought was my, excuse my language, my God. If that's not true. And I believed it to be true. What else is in me that isn't true that I think is true? And if you're not careful, and if I'm not careful, we could be like this group who look for teachers that tell us what we want to hear. Throw me something that I want to hear. And you start to look for preachers who tell you what you think you want to hear. Instead of you being led by the Lord to learn what he wants you to learn. Because you don't get power to overcome things if you don't learn the truth of why you have a right to that power. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves te- teachers. In this generation, there are multiple of teachers who, because of their popularity, seem to be being blessed of God. I asked Pastor Dave one time, we were talking, I said, Yeah, isn't that amazing how that one preacher went from hardly anybody to being super popular? Look how God blessed him. And I was shocked because Pastor David would only correct me or adjust me whenever it was, I think, the Holy Spirit. But he said, normally he would just leave things alone, but he said, well, Alan, sometimes men promote people, preachers, and God doesn't promote them. He said, if you tell people what they want to hear, they'll reward you with money and, and popularity. And see, it took me back because, up to that point, the more popular you were, the more successful you were. That was God's promoting you. And that was when when that one moment in my life taught me oh, men have the power to promote people in church and not be God at all. for the time will come they will not endure sound doctrine see around uh, 12 o'clock if i'm preaching the time will come for you all right time's up enough doctrine <laughs> but doctrine's not fancy it's not flashy it's not romantic Remember when you first heard about praying in tongues, you thought, oh, this is great, how romantic it was. I'm going to go, I'm going to go spend time with my cup of coffee in the presence of God and pray in tongues. And it sounded so romantic. You set off a whole week of planned, and then you got alone with your outward man. You got alone with yourself, and you realized, oh, this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. sounded romantic until you got into it. the foundational truths of why you believe what you believe is what I'm going to call sound doctrine. Or doctrine. Because every belief you have comes from a passage that leads down to your root uh, uh, foundational truths. And whether it's false or off or not true will determine what is built on it. So we have so much in our just in our vocabulary, that is not built on truth. That's in the Christian language, and it shouldn't be so. If, if I took a... Here's how you know if someone's teaching from doctrine, or if they're teaching from good feelings or, or, or good ideas. If I were to tell you, yeah, um, I am going to babysit uh, our friend's baby. Everyone's out of town. They want to go on a date. I told them I'd watch the baby. And I want you to know I'm going to do it right. It's Mother's Day. Mama's, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to make fresh baby food from scratch for the baby. And I went down to Whole Foods, so I got the the organic stuff. I got some um, squash. I got some organic peas. I'm going to blend them up. And feed it to the little baby. I got some carrots. And I'm going to cook them up and then blend it up. And make some baby food for it. And uh, they had on sale, I got some jalapeno peppers. (laughs) See, the moment I said jalapeno peppers, every mama here or every person here just said, that boy don't know what he's talking about. He's never fed a baby He's going to kill that baby. Because you know that even though I said all the right words, the moment I said a wrong word, a wrong vegetable, I don't know if that's a vegetable or not, even though I said jalapeno pepper and I had all the good words, the fact that I said a wrong word tells you this boy has no foundation on how to feed a baby. He may say all the right words, but I can tell from that one word, all that talk was built on hearsay, good feelings, good thoughts, good ideas, but not built on truth. Because unless you're from uh, Florida like John then, then, or Mexico, uh, there's probably no jalapeno in any baby food anywhere. And all the mamas know that. Well, you can do the same with preaching. When people say stuff and you're listening to preaching and they say all the right stuff and then all of a sudden you hear ding, ding, ding. A wrong word. That tells you, wait a minute, what they're teaching isn't built on a sincere understanding of truth. It's built on good ideas, which means that it can fluctuate. So what I'm preaching, I, correct myself, I self-correct many times as I'm learning about the body, soul, and spirit and the, the fullness of it. I'll say certain things and I'll self-correct because what I said wasn't quite right. It didn't quite fit the image of truth that's in me. If I said, oh, thank God for, for the praise and worship. Isn't, aren't we blessed that Stacy can sing so well that God blessed her with that talent? I would self-correct and say that she's using her talent for the Lord. See, that's a self-correction to say what I just said didn't quite fit the image of truth. That image is what protected me from saying something wrong. It wasn't I don't have a scripture for it so much as that image. See, when you have the image of truth in you, it protects you from wrong belief and wrong thinking. And the, I was with, uh, with Pastor Dave, and uh, we were standing there, and this young man came up to us. And this was in, uh, we were in Chattanooga at a conference. And, and this young man came up to us and said, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited. I'm going to this church down the road here. And Pastor Dave knew that pastor. And he said to the young man, well, Why are you going there? Well, um, it's really exciting. He's teaching a lot. of popular things are going good. God's moving. i got to get with the move of God. God's moving. And Pastor Dave said, Well, yeah, but he teaches. And what he taught was a, a thing of uh, everyone saved. Uh, that the whole world is saved, and uh, and Pastor Dave, had, you know, was trying to save this young man. If it wasn't a little a little thing, it was a, a big error. And Pastor Dave said, "Yeah, but you know, he kind of teaches off in that area." And the guy said, "Oh, oh, I know all about that, but that's just that's just one area. The rest he says is so good." Then Pastor Dave said to, <laughs> to this young guy, "Well, you know how they kill mice, don't you?" It's not the 90% of cheese that kills the mouse. It's the 2% or 3%, whatever it was, of poison that's in the cheese. And see, you may not think, well, sound doctrine is not that important. But if you fill your world, I'm not talking to you because you're here so much, but if you fill your world full of preachers who have learned motivation skills to tell you what you want to hear, to get a response out of you of an amen and a cheer, and I'm coming back, I'm giving you my money, then you may be subjected to a little bit of poison that eventually could kill you and take you away from your calling. There is some preaching that will take you away from your salvation, but there's much preaching that will take you away from fulfilling your calling. So all beliefs come from a few foundational truths or untruths. I'm going to go to Jude here real quick. All beliefs that you have about the way you see yourself, about the way you see your success, about the way you see your relationship with God, even to the point of do you believe you're going to heaven or not, come from... Foundational beliefs at your core. And I'm calling those beliefs today doctrine. So the way I view it is that each of us have at our foundation bricks of beliefs. And on those bricks we build other beliefs. And other beliefs that can take you all the way down to why you feel someone is Successful in church or not successful, including yourself. You can be in God's perfect will right now, today, sitting here. I've been praying, I've been worshiping, I've been in the Word, but I feel like I'm not successful. I feel like I'm failing. And you went to God and said, God, am I failing? I feel like a failure. All I did was pray for six hours this week, and all I did was fast. And read the word, God, I failed you because I didn't share the gospel, get anyone saved. And God would laugh at you, say, my child, you're right where I want you to be. You're doing great. Well, where does that feeling of of failure come from? Because there's a belief in you that needs to be changed. I went, um, I thought my ministry was starting, like I was being launched out. And I was doing service having services on my own and having many miracles and it was exciting, like just incredible time. And I remember thinking this is it, Alan Taylor International Ministries is being launched. And the Lord told me, I want you to go serve Brother Norval some more. At that time there was nothing romantic about serving another man and his calling. It meant I had to lay down my ambitions and pick up his heart. And the Lord said, "I want you to lay this down." And he asked me to lay down the the miracles that were coming and go pursue him more. I had to choose to lay it down, and I was wondering, "God, why are you stopping something that is good?" Think about how much how effective I could be over the years if I stayed in those giftings. And it was because there was another path. We call the anointing of the believer, which required me to grow up (laughs) and not just walk in the gifts, flow in the gifts. And I had to lay it down. And it was hard to lay it down because at the time my belief was success with God was how many people thought I was great, how many people amen me, how many people were healed. My success in God had nothing to do in my understanding of growing up and maturing in the knowledge of God. But God knew that if unless I grew up in the knowledge of God and matured, that I would be held down and trapped by my untruths that were in my heart, in my understanding. So every one of us have foundational blocks of understanding, of beliefs, at your core. And they got there from all kinds of ways. But truthfully, the only one who should ever mess with your beliefs is the Holy Spirit. That's why I'm here in verse 20 of Jude. But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. See, this building up is not like um, uh, taking a balloon And, you know, I prayed in tongues and I got charged up. Now I'm ready to go change the world. And it's like a battery charger. I got charged up and then I go pray for someone. All the power's out. I got to go recharge. That's not the building is talking about here. This building is a brick of belief, a brick of truth. That goes in there, and once it's laid, it stays there forever because the Holy Spirit is the one who gave it to you. It never changes. He doesn't teach you almost truths. He doesn't teach you a truth that you'll have to change 10 years down the road. I'll I'll stop there. I can go. (laughs) He teaches you, it's like a golden brick, it's truth. You'll never change. And you can count on it. Whatever is built on that will be truth. Otherwise, it doesn't fit. See, if I said to you, if you believe in the law of Genesis versus God makes babies, yeah, that poor, that poor child born with uh, half a face. Or, you know, I have a friend whose child is... Um, It's got brittle brittle bones, the poor little girl. And she breaks her leg or arm every couple months because that's that's her disease that she's fighting, the disease that she's overcoming. And if I said to them, "Ah, praise God that God counted you worthy to be able to help this little child through her suffering, you would beat me up because you have in you a belief that God doesn't put sickness on children or on anybody. Where does that belief come from? See, what gives you the right to say that? Well, it comes from a belief, hopefully, at your core, that God doesn't make people. The law of Genesis makes people. And that also gives you a right to believe for her healing, because it wasn't God. If God put it on you, and you're supposed to learn a lesson, then why are you going to the doctor? Maybe you've heard that before. Oh, I'm sick. God's trying to teach me a lesson. And I, you know, okay, great. If you think God put that sickness on you, why are you going to the doctor to get rid of it? Why are you taking medication to soften it? Because if you really believe it, see, that tells you they don't believe it. They're just regurgitating. What someone tried to encourage them with. So this building block, when you pray in tongues, that means that he gets right down to the very core of your believing. And he begins to put a block of truth that'll never change. A doctrine. And from that truth, you're able to put he's able to put more truths. Going on and going forward. And doctrine is where most fights happen in churches. Why do you think we have so many churches in our neighborhood? So many churches in Tulsa? Because of a difference of opinion, a difference of doctrine. And I can tell you right now, the most popular one isn't built on doctrine, (laughs) it's built on one liners how to give people what they want to hear so they want to come back and sit in your service. They're not giving people like a teacher does when you sit in class. Can you remember your first third third day of first grade? You don't remember. It's all blurred to you. But you learned something because you had a teacher who was determined to get you to learn your ABCs. So this building block, this building that happens when you pray in tongues, it's not like a, a balloon that you blow up and then you let all the air out and you've got to blow it up again to stay charged. No, it's a building block of truth, of doctrine, of truth that allows, you, allows the Holy Spirit to build more truths on you. And if you're not careful, you can skip your whole learning time and try to reach out in faith down the road, for something, but you don't have the education of the Holy Spirit in you to know why you have a right. Why do you have a right when all circumstances are coming against you? I look at our crowd here today and I think, here's a group of people who believe that in revival and believe that God put them here because here they are. All hell comes against you and you may feel like a failure, but you know you're not because I'm doing what God told me to do. I've heard preaching, if you don't have the biggest house in the neighborhood, you're not walking in God's blessing. If you're not driving a new car, you're not being a good, a good witness to God. Well, that comes from a belief that I don't have. It doesn't match up, match up with Scripture. It doesn't match up with persecution. It doesn't match up with an enemy coming to stop you. I have one, one preacher that I know who I can only listen to five minutes of his sermon. I have to shut it off because it's five minutes of one liners
1: of, you know,
0: and, and well, well-designed wording to get you to think, amen, God's going to do something in my life. It's not educating. It's just saying, God's saying this to you. I see this on you. I see the, you over there. I see the, the prophet's hand. On you, I see that you're going to write books. You're going to change nations. You're going to write checks for a billion dollars. I see this coming to you and coming to you. The Lord is here. The angel of the Lord is here. The word of the Lord is here. So many fancy one-liners that it's like okay, I can only eat so much candy at one time. That's enough. And it's designed to appease to people, and those people are found a teacher. A preacher to share with them what they want to hear, so they leave encouraged, but nothing changes. If something doesn't change, then nothing's changed. I'm embarrassed. How many of us preachers have prayed for people and said, Oh, praise God, it's done. And that little person goes home with their brokenness while the preacher goes out for dinner. That little person goes home. To their situation and their circumstances, what did the preacher mean by "it's done"? Well, he didn't care, because if he cared, he would have he would have followed you and made sure that it was done. Sound doctrine. Let's not fall into the category of people who heap on teachers. I watched one guy play the piano at a banquet. We had two specials. The one guy was a a preacher's kid. Problem child. Always had problems, but always really hungry for God. Fought with drugs and uh, alcohol. But whenever he played the piano, the presence of God would just sweep because he had a heart after God, even in his struggles. And And he played first. And I remember thinking, like... It hit me the presence of God when he played. It's like, boom! he played just by chords. You know, he didn't have. He wasn't fancy. Just by chords. I thought, wow, that was the presence of God. I, I recognize the presence of God. And the next guy got up a few minutes later, and he was like a professionally trained piano player. And he got up there and he played, and it was like smoke was coming out of the piano. He's playing so fast, and it was old-fashioned gospel <laughs> And and I remember thinking, well, that sounds great, but I didn't feel the presence of God. I didn't notice it. And afterwards, another pastor came up to me, one of my senior pastors. I said, how'd you like the banquet? I said, oh, it was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Did Did you notice the difference between those two special piano players? And I said, ah, oh, you too? I noticed it too. Wow, that's so funny. I really noticed it too. And that senior pastor said to me, Yeah, the second one was so good. The first one was okay. And I had thought the opposite. Kind of like when Gary brought up the the widow's mite, I had learned the opposite. And so I'll watch in crowds and I'll I'll watch because what I found is there's people who have learned how to minister to your outward man and get you excited. And there's people who have learned to minister to your inner man. And that's why when you watch a movie, if you ever watch a movie, they play music in the background. Because music has power to emotions. We'll be watching a show, especially uh, in the last few years after I suffered the stroke. Alma is very emotionally... Um, wasn't. I had my defenses have been down... So every time there's a commercial and the right music comes on, my whole family will look at me to see if I'm crying. You know. And if it's a really sad scene or a father son scene, they're looking at me and I'm trying to hide it, but they're all laughing at me. They have no mercy on me. They laugh at me. You know, pull up the camera and say, Watch oh. Dad. But I watched there's one person in particular I know who I totally have no respect for. And you don't know them, just to be clear. The, the, I'm not talking about anyone you know, just. <laughs> but I have no respect for because I've I've dealt with them for years. I know that they're mean, they're conniving, they're always pushing for their way, and uh, and the, when they minister, uh, when they minister in music, it's all emotionalism. And, um, and I watch that person get up in a crowd that I know, and I I, I watch how many people get excited. Respond to it. Like, oh, yes. And there instantly I know who's receiving from where. That that's a group wanting someone to please appease their emotions. To feel better about God. Feel better about life. When you know that God loves you, then you're not so desperate to get people to tell you. When you have it in your core, you're not so desperate to get someone else to prophesy to you. Because you know it. Because you took the time to let the Holy Spirit teach you who you are. You know it. We had one couple when I was uh, with a group of preachers, and they were very mean people, mean preachers. I mean, just even in their personality, they would rub you wrong, they'd tell you, your hair looks horrible. You know to a young lady and when they preach he'd belittle everyone all the time i remember telling them you know i said you know people you know you're in bible calls so people have to be here but when you go out into the real ministry in the future people don't have to come here. you preach <laughs> you know you might want to change your your the way you present yourself well they no one no one no one like these people And then one person had a car wreck or something like that, and they were in the emergency room. And I watched this couple go and become nurses to the person who was in the hospital. And I remember telling them, I told them this. I said, you think those people are suckers, don't you? I said, you've been rude to them and mean to them for four years. And now because they're in the emergency, you're becoming everything to them and loving on them. You think you're fooling them. I said, you won't fool them. They'll know who you are. You're just trying to win them over. Because when someone's in need, that's the best time to win someone over. And I was completely wrong. The person who was in the emergency totally bought it and was so thankful and bragged about them for the next four years how good they were, even though they treated them like dirt. But because they were in an emergency situation, they showed up That taught me something. That people are gullible. It taught me also if there's an emergency, I need to show up. (laughs) But people are gullible. That there are preachers and teachers who will become and say exactly what you want them to say to get you to follow them, to like them, to approve of them. We want to be people of sound doctrine that we don't just go where someone tells us what we want to hear. We go where the Lord puts us and we grow up in the knowledge of God and the truth of God. And sometimes when that knowledge of God and the truth of God comes forward, it's challenging because you have all these beliefs in you. You know why people have stopped? uh, When I was traveling and they knew I was part of the prayer center, here was my conversation boy, that service was so anointed. That was such a great service you had. I just have a question for you. Do you believe in tithing? Well, see, the problem was that they were worried that I was going to teach don't tithe to their church because that doctrine provided finances to their church. It's not that we don't believe in giving. It's just that we don't believe that that the way to remove a curse is through giving 10%. In fact, we teach that God wants all your money, not just ten percent of your money. But they were so worried about me exposing that doctrine because they that was their access to people's money, which is kind of funny because most people, most churches, the percentage of people that tithe is pretty low anyway. But yet we have people holding on to that because they're afraid to let it go. Many times. Truth and sound doctrine comes forward and it begins to shake, rattle, and roll all your ideas that are built on that one little foundational belief in you. And if if you're not careful, you'll stop and protect it rather than allow truth to come forward in your life. There is a cost to sound doctrine when it meets the untruth in you. It means you've got to let go of everything that's built on it. Every opinion, every thought, every every teaching that's built on it. You've got to let it go. You've got to let it fall aside and rebuild from the scratch the truth. Because everything built on wrong believing is wrong. It may not be 100% wrong, but it's wrong. It's not built on the truth that comes from God. Amen. God is getting ready to send us a new crowd of people who are hungry for God but don't know where to go, that are going to want to be encouraged in truth and prayer and encouraged to grow and mature. And praise God, we believe that God's going to help them to grow up in the fullness of Christ in them. And you and I are on that same course to keep growing and maturing. Amen? And the number one way to get truth in you and to get untruth out of you is praying in the Holy Ghost. Because whatever he teaches you will not be wrong. Not one percent, not zero 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 one percent. You can trust that my time spent praying in the Holy Ghost was just like my time spent in third grade with Mrs. Large. <laughs> wasn't too exciting, but I learned my ABCs, my one two threes. I learned something from that. I learned more afterwards. Let's keep growing in God and growing in truth, amen?